Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Lindsay Experiment. Today we are reviewing a film that, gosh, I, I first learned about from Sarah, actually. Uh, she, <laughs> I'll let her tell you more about her, her thoughts after watching this film, but just after a few moments of her talking about this film, Curiosity has bit us and we just need to review this together. Today we are reviewing Mother! Exclamation point. Very much needed with that exclamation point. Uh, it's a film that came out in 2017 by Darren Aronofsky. And I will insert a little disclaimer here that a lot of this episode might be a lot of Sarah and I speculating and trying to unpack and understand this film. A lot of it may not be coherent. So we'll just insert that little disclaimer here. <laughs> yep, there is a lot uh, to read into this film and there's a lot to talk about with this one. Yes, and a lot of it, I've had a little less time to sit with it than maybe you have, so... A lot of my speculations will be forming as we go, which is, it'll be, it'll be a fun hour together. I'm so excited. And I was just telling Sarah before we started recording that I'm so grateful that we get this time to analyze it together because I, I so need it right now. It's been about an hour since finishing the film. <laughs> and man, there's just so many questions and so many things to unpack together that you know, most of, most of the times you leave a film and you have a pretty solid understanding of what just happened for the past two hours. This is one that doesn't leave a lot for you to uh, to fully understand. It really takes some ruminating on. So I'm excited. Yeah, no. When when this movie ends, you're sitting there going, what the hell? And like, that's it. Like, Yes. Yeah. So there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. A lot to figure out. Yeah. And, and one of the pieces that we should talk about is the marketing of this film. Maybe we can start off with that uh, before we get into spoilers. But alas, in true strategic whimsy experiment tradition, Sarah, do you want to kick us off with an IMDb summary before we come up – before we have our own summaries? Yes. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Yeah, that kind of scratches the surface. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, uh, you know, mild description of the film. Very mild. That sounds like just the normal summer blockbuster thriller film that you see on like a Friday night. No, this is not that. Sarah, what was your own summary of Mother? See, I I don't know how to summarize it without spoiling it. So uh, okay. my, my non-spoiler summary is kind of similar to the IMDb one now that I'm reading it, but that's <laughs> fine. A peaceful, existent, a peaceful existence quickly careens into complete chaos and mayhem. <laughs> Mayhem, it's quite accurate. Mine, yeah. mine is, well, my first one that I toyed around with for a while was the best form of birth control to ever exist. <laughs> but uh, upon further thought, the one that I came up with with a little more to say is <laughs> a film with so much to say about everything and so unafraid to get up in your face. Yep, yeah, that is accurate. <laughs> So, 
let's talk a little bit about initial thoughts of the film without spoiling it because I think this is a film that definitely needs the big flashing red lights disclaimer of entering spoilers because man you're in for a ride and it's better to go in without knowing a lot of it but Sarah talk a little bit about your initial thoughts of the film how it was on a second viewing I'm actually really curious um yeah take us away um my initial thoughts were like I said earlier what the hell did I just watch um I remember I just kind of like picked it at random. I had been curious about the movie, but because I don't do horror, I didn't go and see it. And then I saw it pop up on Hulu and I kept like kind of thinking about watching it, but then always like chickening out. And so it was like one random day in the middle of the afternoon. I was like, fine, I'm going to do it. It's streaming. So I can always click away if it becomes too horry or gory or whatever, and I don't like it. And I was riveted the entire time. I was confused the entire time, <laughs> but I wanted to know where this was going. And by the end, I was just sitting in my apartment in silence, not sure what else to do with my life at this point in time. <laughs> like, I I didn't know what to do with that with the film because there's so much in it and it has so much to say and it it created such like a visceral reaction in yeah. me. Um I both loved it and was super uncomfortable with it at the exact same time and like really disgusted by parts of it. But then it did it <laughs> so well that I was just very conflicted. Um so, yeah, there's much to discuss about this one, uh, which is hard to do without spoiling anything. Yes. <laughs> How was it on a second viewing? Um, I still enjoyed it. I don't think I – I didn't have as strong of a reaction mm-hmm. uh, as I did the first time, obviously, because I knew it was coming. Um, and I was able to see – you know, because there's so many different theories about what this movie is about. Um, and I was able to see more of those this time. Mm. Um, but mostly I was just excited to talk about it with you. Yes. Like, I'm so excited. Jen seeing it for the first time. What is she going to think? And, you know, it's I'm, I'm excited that we get to talk about it as well because I – there are people in my life that I know would have seen this and been like, what the hell just happened? Whatever. That was weird. Yeah. But knowing you, we're going to just like rip it apart and be like, what does this mean? And like, what does it, what do they mean by that? And I'm really pumped for that. Uh, I, I went into this film primed by Sarah to watch (laughs) it during the daytime, which I'm so grateful for. Uh, and I was also I went into it also with the expectation that there would be a lot that would be very different from anything that I've seen before based on how you were describing it. Um, you had said things like, "Yeah, you just you'll just sit with it afterwards and have to just ruminate in it, and you're not going to be able to see what's coming. So buckle up." And I'm like, "Okay, like what's going to happen?" It very much felt like walking into a haunted house and not having any idea. Were we going to go up the stairs? Like, are there going to be people coming? Like, just 
a black house and we're going in, right? Um, I am not a big fan of horror and thriller. So, you know, the first hour of this film felt uncomfortable, mostly because I was on edge. But the second half of this film was very much uh, a overload of senses, both visually um, and cognitively trying to figure out what was happening. Um, so that suspenseful, like, edge-of-your-seat vibe was completely gone by the second half, and we were just full throttle on this roller coaster ride till the finish line. And there, there's still a lot that I'm processing through. I specifically decided not to read some of the reviews or other people's thoughts on the film before we recorded because I think it would be more interesting and a better payoff for us to like wrestle with it together. Um, so you best believe after we hit the, the, the stop button on this, I'm about to go like research the heck out of this. Uh, but yeah, I'm just excited to dive into this hour with you. It's going to be so fascinating. And I'm also intrigued to see how you've interpreted certain parts or what thoughts you had throughout different parts and theories of how specific details in the plot fit together, especially in that middle section where we really had some clues, but not a lot to go off of other than these small little shots that were sprinkled throughout. So I'm excited to see what your theories were as this movie was unfolding. And there is so much to research about this. <laughs> yes. So. Yes. Okay. So with that, I think we should insert our flashing red lights. If you haven't seen Mother yet, it is available to stream on Hulu and also available on Amazon Prime and YouTube, Google Play, Voodoo for rent. So we highly recommend seeing it. Prepare yourself if you are not a fan of gore or horror, watch during the day. But buckle your seatbelts. It's not your conventional summer blockbuster thriller. So uh, with that, shall we dive into spoilers? Yes. Okay. Yes, we shall. <laughs> All right. So I kind of feel like there's a lot. And we should figure out where we want to start first. Let's let's kind of maybe let's step through the film kind of in in chunks because I think it's interesting to see what theories you had in the beginning parts of the film, the middle, and like how that all came to a head at the end. So let's start off with that first section where not a lot happens. It's pretty peaceful. Um, this guy shows up, his wife shows up. We're kind of in that in that phase for a while. So everything before the son coming in to murder his brother. What were your thoughts throughout that? Or what stuck out to you? The first time I watched it, I was utterly confused. And <laughs> like you, I was just like bracing for something to happen. Like mm -hmm. I, I grew up watching a lot of horror films. So like, I know, I know how they're structured and how they're paced and so the whole time I was like, I, I was primed. I was ready to hit the stop button at any point in time <laughs> when something went weird and nothing did. Yeah. And so I, I love how this film is shot. And I oh loved. Oh, God. Yes. Oh, it was wonderful. Like, especially that, that beginning portion, like 
the the cinematography was just wonderful. I loved the the house. I loved the colors. There was so much about it that was just absolutely fascinating to me. And I was just like, as I was going through, I was waiting and I was like, okay, when is the horror element going to come in? Like, <laughs> when is something bad going to happen? And it just didn't. And so I, the, my primary thought was confusion and just thorough enjoyment with how it was filmed. The visual parts. Yeah. I jotted yeah. that down as well. The color palette was really well done. It yes. also looked a little bit grainy, which was really mm -hmm. fascinating, like an old photograph in a way. Um, the whole tone of the like green, greenish, like amber tones uh, helped cast this, this mood of like this house does not feel warm. Like this is not a place you want to be. Uh, the other thing that I jotted down uh, while watching the, the first, probably the first 45 minutes, is the fact that there's really no soundtrack at all. It's a lot of silence. There isn't one. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of No Country for Old Men, where a lot of it is her just walking through her home, and you hear the floorboards creak, you hear little things thump, uh, but the silence is almost so frustrating to deal with. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I love about this film is that there isn't a soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And I was so much more aware of the lack of soundtrack this time um, than I was the first time. Yeah, and, I, and a lot of that first 45 minutes or so, you could sense that something was off. And I kept trying mm -hmm. to put my finger on how they were able to do that because a lot of what happens in that first section isn't anything too strange if you think about it on paper, right? Some guy shows up, he's, he's a big fan of this guy, um, his wife shows up. Like, that's a little bit strange, but there are so many subtle nuances in the interactions or a facial expression or, like, a little bit of a lingering look that contributed to that feeling of danger. One of the moments that I'm thinking about top of mind is when um, – the old man's wife shows up and there's a scene where she's talking with Jennifer Lawrence's character and the the camera is in front of Jennifer Lawrence so we see her face and we see that lady kind of like grab her shoulder and she, so Jennifer Lawrence turns around and, and she starts to thank her and whatnot for hosting them but that look in her eye and the way her chin tilted like right before she grabbed her shoulder felt slightly menacing and like in the most subtle way where you're like it's not really anything that bad but something about that felt dangerous and there's so many moments like that throughout and that's part of the really really interesting thing about this movie one of the many is <laughs> the first is the first portion of it is full of subtlety yeah. And then the later half of the film has zero subtlety at all. So you go from zero to a hundred mm -hmm. um, over the course of the film. And I, I love those little moments of the awkwardness and um, like Michelle Pfeiffer did a oh, God, phenomenal so job in this. Like she had such a small role, but she said so much without saying anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, little things like the the glint in her eye or 
her facial expression communicated and helped set the mood so, so much. That is so challenging to do. Uh, I, we should also give our hats off to Jennifer Lawrence just throughout this whole film. Mm-hmm. I was floored. Uh, could not believe it was the same character that played, uh, what's, her, what's her name, Katniss, which is mm-hmm. very much this archetypal, like, rah-rah, like, female empowerment type of character. And she plays this lady in this film with such subtlety and nuance that it's really, really impressive. So hats off to her as well. And I think especially in the the beginning of the film, you see uh, Jennifer Lawrence's face, like it almost lacks expression yeah. for so much of it. And, and it's like she has disconnected from everything going on around her. Um, and you see her gain a personality and agency as the film goes along. But especially in the beginning, it seems like she's just going through the motions and isn't really there, which adds to the complete discomfort of it all. Mm, yeah. Her eyes look empty and it mm-hmm. makes that ending way more powerful because she, she goes from not feeling much to feeling everything by the end. Uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention was in that first section, the camera movement contributed Mm -hmm. so much to the feeling of unease that I felt because we would get the shots where we're just following her throughout the home and we we notice things like out of the 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 sides of the frame and it went back and forth generally between like following her from behind to a close-up of her face and there are some wide shots but that constant following of her felt like someone was following her like it's, it's it's as if we as the camera were this other person that's like stalking her as she goes throughout her home and that camera movement was so well done and contributed so much to the uneasiness of like where where is this like what is happening because something feels so off about all of this and there were so many shots that were so tight and so it, it makes you feel this sense of trapped, even mm. though, and especially because Jennifer Lawrence never leaves the house and you're, I mean, she's in every shot almost. Mm-hmm. So you, along with Jennifer Lawrence, are trapped in this house and you don't feel it as much in the beginning. Like you sense it a little bit in the beginning, but by the end, you fully feel that claustrophobic feeling. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, big ass house too like Mm -hmm. to feel trapped in in a place that is so open is really fascinating it's like we're we can't the uh, we as the viewer are glued to viewing things from behind her shoulder for most of that first section oh (laughs) yes okay so the other thing that we should mention is those two opening shots before the film actually starts. So it's one, one is of her on fire or burned. Um, and she is red everywhere and the whole frame is red. And then there's a shot of him putting the diamond, I'm assuming it's a diamond, into its little stand. And then apparently everything gets healed, which reoccurs at the end of the film. And we should talk about what that all means. But 
I kept viewing a lot of this first section kind of through the lens of those two opening shots, which adds to the intrigue and, and, and curiosity that you feel because you're just like, what? how does that make sense with all of these other details that I'm gathering? Like, I have all of these data points, but they're not really coming up with a pattern for me. <laughs> so I just, I guess I got to keep watching. Um, and then the other shot that also was a data point in my mind that I was like, how do all of these other details fit in with that? Is the one where she is feeling the wall, she kind of puts two two strokes of paint on there or whatever that substance was. And she's feeling the wall and we get that like pounding of what I'm assuming is her heart. And the three of those things together was the lens <laughs> that I was viewing the first 45 minutes of this film through and trying to piece things together. Yeah, the so the the opening shot and the ending shot um, are actually two different women. It's not mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence and all three. And so I think for me, that's what confused me more is that it it was a different chick. And so I was like, okay, Jennifer Lawrence is a new one. So what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the first time I was watching it, I was like, okay, is is the, the house a monster and it's going to come alive and eat everybody? Like, is this like an Amityville horror reboot? Like, what are we doing here? Why, why does the house have a heartbeat? I'm so confused. Yeah. So yeah, I was right there with you. So the first time that I saw that shot of what is her heart, I actually thought it was like her womb and that it Mm. was like an ultrasound, right? Like you see the thing beginning to grow within her. And so then I went down this whole path of, is the house a metaphor for her womb and her body? So the whole middle section where she's, there's all these uninvited guests that keep showing up and keep showing up and she's just trying to get them out. I was thinking about if the house was this metaphor for her body and there's all these outside invaders and she's trying to clear them out and it got really meta from there. But... <laughs> That's one of my running hypotheses that I had in my mind. I was like, is that what's happening here? Is this all like a big metaphor? And then I went down the path of like um, just the whole like non-consensual sex and that whole realm and my brain just started wandering uh, because I know that's a big issue now. And I was also trying to think about what the motivation of the filmmaker for creating this film could be. And maybe that was one of them is one of my theories. Yeah, I I think I was I think my two prevailing thoughts the first time that I watched it was okay, Javier Bardem is a really abusive husband and this is a film about domestic abuse. Um <laughs> and then my other thought was um there's an old film, I think it's called The Man Who Came to Dinner and it's this guy and he's an uninvited guest into somebody's house and then like he like he comes t- for dinner one day, but then he ends up like hurting himself and he has this like long extended stay with them. And like, he has like people visiting him and like animals shipped <laughs> in to be his friends and like all of this. So he just like wreaks havoc in these people's house. And it's like, it's an old comedy. And that was, I was like, is this the horror version of the man who came to dinner? Like <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah. The whole middle section, 
I was a little lost. I think mm-hmm. the ending helped clear clear up some some bits, but uh, one of the things that I, I had also been thinking about in the in the middle section uh, was there's a there seems to be some interesting commentary on like female archetypes and the roles that they play and how they interact with each other. Um, Jennifer Lawrence's character is pretty docile throughout most of the film, minus the last, like, 20 minutes of (laughs) just her going absolutely nuts, understandably. But for most of this film, she plays this really obedient, docile character with next to no agency. She's always looking for Javier Bodem to come and save her or to come back. She... She doesn't make a lot of choices throughout a lot of this. It's a lot of her reacting to things that are happening and being upset that her husband is making these decisions to bring all these people in and whatnot. Um, There were also some interesting moments between um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Jennifer Lawrence as well in the kind of backhanded comments and judgments that – they were making with each other, which I thought was really interesting to include. I'm curious your thoughts on that. If you picked up anything along those lines or if you saw it differently. I think that it was a very interesting choice for Jennifer Lawrence, um, especially given how, you know, famous she is and the types of roles that she's been in. Um, so I was shocked that she was actually in this type of a role. Um, and I think it was really kind of courageous for her to choose this role and for Aronofsky to write this role as the main character, Mm -hmm. especially today. Like a lot of the films that we watch, they have strong, you know, female leads and, you know, we can do it and all of this like rah, rah, women power thing. And she is the exact opposite of that. And she mm-hmm. loves taking care of her husband, taking care of the house, basically rebuilding this house um, from uh, from its ashes. ashes. Yeah. And, um, you know, she wants to be a mom and like that's what she longs for. And it's so interesting in our current society that, could look down on a person like that, on a character like that. And that is the main character that we're following throughout. So I thought that it was just a really like courageous, creative decision to do. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing that I was probably more aware of is how nobody recognized her. Um, So not only did she not have agency, like nobody else really saw her or respected her. And even the compliments to her were not really compliments. It was always like, like your husband is so generous or like, thank your husband for his generosity. Mm -hmm. And it's like, excuse you. Like she was the one that did all the work that made all the things. She built the house. She made the food (laughs) like, and you're thanking him. Mm-hmm. So I think I was more aware of that than, um, I don't know, some of the other things that were going on. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of our, what's, 
what our our conceptions are now of what it means to be female and what our roles are and kind of turns it on its head. Even yeah. like some of the comments that Michelle Pfeiffer was making around like why don't you have children yet? Like it's the it's the greatest blessing that could have ever happened to us. Like what is essentially what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing this? And why don't you value this too? And the fact that that came from the character that was the one that was a little bit dangerous and a little bit villainous throughout a lot of this is really fascinating because it kind of takes that commentary and says, why do we expect women to want, always want to have children? She ends up doing that. Right. But, um, it takes that conversation that I've heard, um, in a lot of other films and in real life and turns it on its head a little bit and kind of makes you wonder like, why, why do we, why do we do that? And it puts it in this character that is, um, not a positive character that we see as the viewer and has her be the one to deliver some of those questions and comments, which I, I thought was really fascinating. And it's a subtle way to say a lot. Yeah, and, and highlighting, you know, the different dynamics in gender and the different expectation of gender um, in a really unique way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see that a lot um, throughout the kind of more second half of the film, but even that conversation that Javier and Jennifer's character have t- together um, where th- she kind of explodes and, and she says, like, why why am I not enough for you? Like, you always mm-hmm. have your work. I'm the one at home taking care of all this. Like, why is this still not enough for you? Um, and that kind of came out of left field for me. I didn't see that coming. I, I kind of had just assumed that they wouldn't address that between the two of them. And so to throw in that complexity in here as well and – um, have things that this film is wanting to say about the relationship in um, and roles in marriage is is really interesting. As if this movie didn't already have enough to say. We had to throw in some more things. I know. There's all these like little moments, and it's not long either. I think it takes up mm-hmm. like two three minutes where they're yelling at each other for a bit, and then that's it. Um, but you see that theme continue to come out again after that scene where he's bringing in all these people that love his work and he's really soaking in the spotlight and she's kind of in the background trying to keep everything from becoming absolute chaos but he is just so consumed by the validation that he's getting for his work and soaking it all in and you so so there's still moments where that thread is showing up. Yeah, it's it's setting the stage for the the larger blow-ups that are going to come. Oh man. Yes. So let's start talking about the whole second half, the last little third, essentially when th- the pace really begins to pick up and everything goes to shit. <laughs> Yeah, it just all spirals out of control so quickly. There's so much that happens in the last like 30 minutes of this film. I don't even know where to begin. 
yeah, I was just stressed the whole time because oh like, God. it's just so many people and then they're destroying the house and I'm going, y'all, this is not what we do. <laughs> this is not how we behaved in civilized society. What is wrong with you people? I was, oh, I was so stressed. And then there, a birth happened in the middle of it, which stressed me out even more. Oh, and then it was just more mayhem and just, oh, Lord. And it so, gets even like, more dark, yeah. So yeah. let's talk about first, because the, there's a really common theme throughout most of this film that stays with us the whole time around this whole concept of people barging in and violating her space and her constantly having to figure out how to get them out. What was your read on the whole uninvited guest theme that is so prevalent throughout this whole film? And I'm still trying to process through it too, so I don't have a good answer. So now I have, because I've researched the film, I have a few different lenses through which to see it, but we can get into that later. Um, But I think I was just so interested in how her reaction to the guests changed over time. You know, at first when it was one or Mm. two, she was very apologetic trying to appease them, trying to please her husband. And by the end, like she was yelling at people and like kicking people out of the house and like just to see that drastic of a growth or that drastic of a change in that character over this film was pretty jarring for me. Like usually Mm -hmm. like, you know, you see character development in a film. That's pretty normal. Films should do that. Um, But this was so extreme. She became a completely different person by the end. (laughs) Um, And so I think I was more thrown by that than anything else. And I was just appalled by Javier Bardem's character. Like, Oh, he's so frustrating. Yes. I was so annoyed. But at the same time, I get it. So I was having like this this conflict within myself of you are a completely selfish asshole but then the other part of me is like i i get it and you know in in a society like we have today where we are you know constantly seeking our 15 minutes of fame i could see how you would get addicted to that and how that could be the only thing that you care about above all else so that also annoyed me that I could partially empathize with this awful character um, who just kept inviting these people in to destroy this thing that she had created. Which makes it so much more challenging. It's almost easier if he's just straight up an absolute asshole. Yeah. But there's this component where there's, there's a kind of the spirit of like having people be able to come and be together and especially in the f- the first time it happens when the family loses their son and he's offering their home as a space for them to be and to mourn and to just be together and yeah that's that's a good thing but there is this conflict with his wife's desire to have her privacy and her space protected um, so obviously it, it, it continues to escalate and he becomes more and more generous and more and more open to having <laughs> everyone show up. But 
when it first starts out, it's a little bit understandable. Like there's a spirit of hospitality that he has. Um, is it slightly selfish? Probably, but there's something good about it in there as well mixed in. And those are always the most frustrating because you just want to be like, yeah, you're an absolute asshole. Okay, let's fine. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> but there's, there's that, there's that tension in him and it resonates because we as humans are often complex in that way as well. So, um, yeah, I feel you. I found him really frustrating more and more throughout the rest of the film, but at the beginning there's, there's a lot that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And, and there's something about that like hospitable nature that's so charming. And you also see <laughs> that charm throughout the film, you know, in, in little moments with Jennifer Lawrence, like you can tell that he does care for her to yes. an extent. Um, so, you know, even though they have those off moments, you know that some of it is actually genuine, even if they're going through a lot of awkwardness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of it is him fighting his own demons too, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, he couldn't write for, I don't know how long, but they mentioned for quite a while, for a couple months, he wasn't able to write. And he's also trying to figure out how to stay relevant and how to continue his work. And he's facing a lot of his own insecurities. And so he's, he's kind of operating out of that, um, a little bit of overcompensation there. And so, you know, it's, it's understandable, but it, 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 it kind of escalates a little bit later when he lets everybody in. Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When it completely goes off the rails. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something about that theme of the uninvited, guests and the uninvited crowds uh towards the end of the film that feels like there's some sort of I, at least I had this feeling while watching it but there's just a sense of violation like this is my yeah. space this is my oasis and you are just barging through and absolutely disrespecting this beautiful thing that I've created and it was never meant for you and I'm trying to I was trying to figure out throughout the whole film, like how does that map to some of the larger themes? Um, still processing through that one, but there is this visceral reaction of like an utter level of disrespect and disregard for this thing that I had poured time and effort and thought into that you've just showed up in. And I felt a lot of Jennifer Lawrence's frustration of just, like, get out of my house, <laughs> leave. Yeah, one of my my favorite examples of it in this film, which is a smaller example, but how the sink wasn't braced. And mm. the first time she says that is early on in the film because Javier Bardem is, like, leaning up against it or something. And he, like, immediately responds, gets off, leaves it alone. It's fine. And you can see, like, so he responds appropriately. The next woman who sits on the counter responds appropriately. And then there's two people who are sitting on it who <sighs> will not obey. And so I think it's in those little things that, like, you see that her boundaries are getting violated and this house is getting violated. And because they spent so much of the first half uh, building up 
how much time and effort she spent on the house, mm-hmm. you're able to empathize and react more strongly when you see this group of uninvited people destroying it, despite her protests, despite her asking Javier Bardem to kick them out, despite her trying to kick them out, like nothing she does is going to stop them from destroying this thing that she had created with her own two hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think as the film goes on and on, there are more and more people that sh- are showing up and it really yeah. feels like it's a, it's like an unending battle and there's no hope for it being won. Like I think in the, the first section you kind of feel like a little bit of her frustration, but you're like, okay, she, like I get that this is your space, but it's fine. She can be a little bit more chill, right? Um, yeah. But by the end, it just feels like this compounding effect of all of these tiny moments where she's been asking people to leave. And you can tell that all she desires is for her to have her space back. And by the end, it's just all of those little moments that have just piled up and it's, and it's gone to absolute crap. Um, and so f- from a filmmaking perspective, it was very well done for us to build that empathy with her so that by the end we are just as frustrated and maniacal as she is for all of these people that have violated her space because we've lived it with her in all those tiny moments where she's been asking people to leave from the very beginning. Yeah, and the fact that she also can't leave and they're destroying this place that she's stuck in is, like, even more frustrating. Like, that that scene where where she keeps trying to leave and Javier Bardem keeps dragging her further into the house. It's like, no, just let her leave. Like, call this one. <laughs> just call it done. Move on. You built a house. You can build another one. It's fine. But she she can't leave it. Yeah. Um, she can't do anything. She's completely powerless in that moment. Oh, man. And the camera movement, like, <laughs> especially so in that last bit, that last whole, whole section, the whole third act, where you just are following her as she's going through her house and just see people running in and out of the frame like that is way more effective to convey that feeling of just seeing everything unfold and flying out in front of you as you're going through your home that shot the way that was shot was so much better than if they had just done a still frame with a big room of people just wrecking everything like that that movement and that constant feeling of I'm stepping forward and there's more to unfold. There's more and more chaos happening. And we as a viewer have to also see that unfold with her. That was just so well done. Yeah, you're reacting as she's reacting. Yes. Yeah. Versus seeing this like wide shot of just everything going to crap like they do yeah. in those in those um movies about college where there's they're at that party and you just see all the mayhem happening like kind of as a bystander on the fly on the wall and you just Mm -hmm. see the room with everyone dancing and whatnot. No, we are fully in the thick of this crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with all of the, oh gosh, the horrible things that are happening there. Yeah. So let's talk about the ending. 
what were your thoughts about the ending? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, I remember just sitting around and being like, oh, I don't know what to do with that. Like, what did I just watch? Um, yeah. And there are, there are multiple ways to interpret it, but okay. I think that I was just so overwhelmed like by the sensory experience that I just went through that I wasn't able to really <laughs> figure out like, okay, what, what is does the it mean? meaning of this film? Like I had yeah. to wait a couple hours and then I, <laughs> I dove in and researched. Yeah, I was just, I was overwhelmed and just happy to be able to go outside. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I I feel like that ending scene where she loses her child mm-hmm. and she goes on this rampage. I feel like she's not meant, at least my interpretation is that she's not meant to be seen as this awful character and how could she like there's this deep sense of empathy that you have as a viewer to see this woman that has felt so much joy by having this child that's the first time we see her smiles when um she wakes up next to Javier Bardem and she realizes that she's pregnant like there's this really pure smile that unfolds on her face and to see that just taken away from her and her violated in so many ways throughout. And then in this way, I mean, her rampage is totally justified. I mean, Oh yeah. It's, I think there's this really interesting level of empathy that this film has been able to create for us as viewers, for mothers um, in such an odd way through such an odd film experience, um, it's just really fascinating. Like there is this visceral, natural instinct that mothers have that they, it makes them, for example, want to protect their child. And, you know, she takes it to a little bit of an extreme where she doesn't even let um, Javier Bardem touch the child. She wants everyone else to leave because she just wants to create the safe space for this child. And that that motherly instinct is so beautiful, but like it is, it's a it's a strong reaction. I feel like this film is is able to convey how strong that bond is in a way that is so unexpected and unconventional throughout that whole ending experience. Yeah, I found myself comparing this. Um multiple times throughout to Tully um, Mm. that also kind of reframed motherhood. And I feel like this did it, like you said, in a very different way. Um, And I was just, I think I was really appalled at how awful humanity is, um, especially in that, in that last part, like, just how easy it is for crowds to riot and how something that had started as good and, you know, 
maybe not healthy, but, you know, somewhat normal, like, oh, this is my favorite author. I'm going to get his autograph, like, descended into absolute chaos and looting and destruction and all of this, like, mm-hmm. just that that negative view of humanity really, really stayed Starring. with me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There were there were so many images and moments in that final hellish sequence that we see on the news and it's so wild to see all of them unfold and especially in this environment one after the other but there were so many moments where you're like yeah I've seen photos of that or videos of that on the news of riots that are happening or policemen using tear gas or um, you know, segments about sex slavery. That one really shocked me that they included yeah. that. I did not prepare myself for seeing this woman who is also pregnant and and just wants to have a safe space for a child and then to see her interact and tr- still try to save and rescue the women that were in that cage. It was it was that's an image that's like burned into my into my brain. Yeah, I think that was one of the most jarring moments for me was the where he was he was looking at her teeth and determining if she was a good one or not. Yeah. I was like, what? What has this become? What is happening in this film? Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're right. It happens every single day. All of those things that were so awful that this character had to live through like people are living through in every country around the globe mm-hmm. yeah and at a meta level the fact that this film is in the genre of horror and thriller mm-hmm. is really an interesting pairing um here are things that happen in reality and we're gonna put it in a film and it's gonna be called a horror film like it's I think it was wild to see them see those little moments captured in the crowd one after the other. There's something uh I don't even have the words for it, but there's something really uh powerful about seeing that and overwhelming as well. It really it's this film well, let's talk about the actual final, final few moments because I, I, I would love to hear your interpretation or other um, interpretations that you've read of that moment where the, the ashes are laying around in piles and he pulls her heart out and attempts to try and try, essentially try again and recreate the whole thing. Mm-hmm. What were your thoughts about that moment and how did you interpret it the first time or how have others interpreted that? Yeah, the first time I didn't know what to think. Um, So I just, I (laughs) set to Google. Um, So there's a few different interpretations of it. Mm -hmm. Probably the one that I was closest to thinking about at first was the idea of a creator and his muse um, Mm -hmm. and how 
you know, a creative genius can become so focused on their work, but then also the allure of, you know, fame and adoration from fans that they alienate everybody else in their lives. Um, and how real, you know, the real destruction that can come from the pursuit of a creative genius. Um, I think that was probably the easiest one for me to latch onto by the end. And um, this kind of disheartening idea that even though um, Jennifer Lawrence gave up everything for Javier Bardem to create something new and beautiful again, he's going to continue the same cycle over and over again. And he's going to hurt this next girl the same way that he hurt mm. Jennifer Lawrence. Interesting. Um, that was one of them. And then the other one that I've read that I also really like is the idea that the, the house is um, the earth and Jennifer mm. Lawrence's mother nature. And, yeah. Um, yeah. How it, how it all, you know, kind of spirals out of control. And this, this idea that, you know, the cycle will keep happening again um, because of humanity. So, you know, we don't take care of the earth and we do all of these terrible things in the earth and it can only support us for so long if we keep destroying it. That um, makes a lot of sense with the whole get out, like stop mm -hmm. destroying my home thing. It's fascinating how uh, both Avatar and this film, if if you subscribe to that interpretation, um, have this this like environmental stance and they are vastly different types of films <laughs> <laughs> but you know so it's largely different. the same message <laughs> oh that's interesting one of my reads on the the ending and of like trying again was around um couples that want to get pregnant but continuously are unable to and how there's this like frustrating journey that unfolds and yet they find themselves again back at square one of needing to try again. Um, so that was my initial interpretation hmm. of that, of just what it's like to struggle through that journey and then still losing the baby at the end and having to go back to square one again and what that, what that feels like and how traumatizing that feels. But so then along that same path, and I was like, well, why does, why does he get to create the diamond and start over again? And why is it yeah. a different girl? Um, so then I was like, is there this whole like male dominance theme happening here too with him procreating the earth and he can do it with different women? And then I just went down a whole other rabbit hole with that thought. <laughs> so... Um something that came out after the film was released was that um, Darren Aronofsky actually commented on what the film was about. Okay. Um, which we can also talk about that decision because I have feelings about that decision. Okay. Um, Let's hear it. But he, he talks about how it is actually like a biblical allegory and Javier Bardem is God and so Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer are Adam and Eve. Um, the son's killing, or the one son killing the other is Cain and Abel. 
Um, ah, so then Jennifer Lawrence is like the Virgin Mary. The baby is like Jesus who was sacrificed, you know, for humanity, hoping that humanity would improve, but humanity clearly hasn't improved. So it's like this larger um, allegory. Oh, interesting. It's a pretty flawed God if Javier Bardem is God. Exactly. I'm like, hmm, okay. But a lot of a lot of those plot points do line up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. You you will enjoy researching this film. Oh God. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting quotes um, from Aronofsky about this film. Um and kind of like where he was at when he wrote it and the point of it and So what was his what was his main thesis or message for the film that he was hoping to translate to viewers? Or does he not really talk about that explicitly? No, he does. I'm trying to find there was a quote that I read earlier today. Cuz that was one of the uh. thoughts that I had after finishing the film was what was the motivation behind this and how was this inspired and created? Well, there's a long <laughs> quote that I'm not going to read, but he wrote the script in five days, oh, wow. um, which is truly impressive. Um, yeah, there's this really long quote for him. Um, ba, 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 da, ba, ba. Wow, I can't stop thinking about the biblical Mm-hmm. Themes. The um, whole brothers so, fighting over the father's inheritance, money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he said about, like, where the film came from. He said, some came from the headlines that we face every second of every day. Some came from the endless buzzing of notifications of our spark smartphones some came from living through the blackout of hurricane sandy in downtown manhattan some came from my heart some from my gut collectively it's a recipe i won't ever be able to reproduce but i do know this serving is best drunk as a single dose in a shot glass knock it back salute true Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is not one to sip (laughs) yes very much wanting to like (laughs) shed light on um humanity and the horrors all around us and just everything that we're currently inundated Mm. with all day every day we should talk about the marketing of this film because i think that goes really well with his intent i watched the trailer after watching this film and it is not the same movie and this is something that you had commented on when you were first telling me about this film is that the whole marketing strategy for this film is so different from what this film is actually about. Um, the trailer makes it seem like it's more about um, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer's characters showing up and there's something sinister about them and they want to kill her husband and that is that being the main premise, which mm-hmm. is not the main premise. It's one nope. of the subplots, <laughs> but very much not the whole premise of the film. So... It's interesting to see that they may have made that intentional choice to kind of bring people to the theater to go see it and then let the rest of it unfold on you. <laughs> Which is such a terrible marketing strategy. <laughs> like, because this film is not for everybody. And they were trying to 
appeal to the masses when a film like this is not going to. This is one where you need to watch it and then sit and think about it. And a lot of people either love it or they hate it. But either way, I think, like, a lot of the reviews that I've read, like, they respect it, even if they hate it. Like, it's not one of those, like, just casual viewing or, like, oh, I'm just going to go see a horror movie and be scared out of my mind for two hours and then go back to my life. Like, that is not this film. So the fact that they tried to market it that way just bothers me. Because I think if they had done it more intentionally and really marketed it to a smaller crowd, um, it would have done a lot better than it actually did. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if... I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I wonder if part of the intention could have been, let's just get people to the theater to see this because we have so much to say. And we'd want this to be something that is reaching more people than if we were to market it for what it actually is. Like It's almost like, get them in the door and then we'll give them what we're trying to tell them. <laughs> I don't know. Could potentially be an intentional decision or just a miss. No, I think that that tracks my, my cynical part of me goes, they were thinking, okay, let's get them in the door. I mean, it's, it's Jennifer Lawrence as the main right. star and she's a huge draw. So just get him in the door because we need to recoup costs because this must've cost a lot of money to film, mm -hmm. um, is the way that I see it. But I think it's a pretty, it was a bold choice to, because Paramount released it to thousands of theaters, you know, <laughs> opening weekend. Like it was a theatrical release, like normal. But I think that they would have done better if they would have done a limited release and then let, um, you know, let audiences see it. And then through word of mouth, could then spread it to a theatrical release. Mm. You know, I feel like that would have been more effective and a better bang for their buck um, than just dumping it in all the theaters and then go, what the heck, where's all of our money? Mm -hmm. It's also just a bold choice that they had the trailer convey, and even the IMDb summary convey a premise that is actually quite different from the actual film. I think generally mm -hmm. people tend to be a little bit frustrated when that happens. Yeah. Um, because a lot of the decision-making for spending that $11, $15 is a, a very intentional decision. Like I, that looks like something I'd want to see. Let me go see it. And when it's off and the expectations are off, I think that's, that's kind of a frustrating experience as well. And that's what bothered me about this being marketed as a horror film. Um, I don't know what I would classify it as, because there are, you know, horror elements of it, but it's more of like a... a psychological mindfuck. Yeah, just like, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Can we create a new category? <laughs> <laughs> but but to, to market it as a horror film, like, we all have been conditioned to know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And that is not this. Like, it's a it's a very artistic film. And so I wish that it would have gone more of that route and been marketed as an artistic film as opposed to a 
horror movie. Because uh, even the crowds that you'll draw are different for that. Like, mm-hmm. just know who your audience is and market to them, people. Come on. Yeah, that's true. A lot of because a lot of people do go to horror films to be scared, and for the yeah. most part, this, this the the beginning is maybe a little suspenseful. But even mm-hmm. I mean, the whole ending scene is not scary. It's just no. disturbing and absolutely overwhelming and uncomfortable. But it's yeah. not scary. So, yeah, you're right. If I went to the theater wanting to be scared, like this did not, I did not achieve my goal. <laughs> So then that makes sense why so many people were so disappointed by it. Mm Because, like you said, they felt that they were gypped out of their a million dollars to go see this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A whole million. (laughs) Another ticket, please. Another two million for the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) They're really making a great profit margin on that. Uh, all right. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about yet? I'm sure there's tons, but something else that you wanted to mention? I we could go on for thing, hours on this. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, the other thing that really struck me about this is people didn't like it because they didn't know what to think about it, mm. which is very intriguing to me that we're kind of at a place where people seem to not want to think about films. Mm -hmm. They just want the meaning spoon-fed to them, um, which I totally get. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think that that also contributed to a lack of positive reception for this film because people didn't know what to think and they didn't know what to do with this at the end. And so I think that's part of the reason why Aronofsky had to come out and say, okay, this is what the film meant, <laughs> Yeah, which just bothers me. Like, I don't want you to have to spoon feed me this meaning. I want to be able to sit with it and figure it out or, or talk with somebody like we are right now and go, oh, okay, I think, I think it means this. So I'm going to say that's what that movie was about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're very right. And I, it's, there's a, there is a difference between films that have hard messages and ones that people that are just genuinely difficult to interpret. Like I'm thinking about when you were talking, I was thinking about Black Klansman. That is a film that has a lot to say. It kind of unveils a lot of the similar kind of horrors that exist, but you leave the theater having a clear understanding of what, um, of what they're trying to say through that film. And this was one that, you don't it's not the the view is still pretty foggy when you leave and you do have to put in a lot of the work to unpack it do some research read about it wrestle with it um and i those are those are hard because life is busy and oftentimes again we've allocated an hour together to pick it apart and analyze it together through this podcast um which is one of the things that we mentioned that we always love about this but you know, when life's busy, potentially people don't have time to to sit with it in that same way. And then, you know, the laundry machine's going off and the kids are yelling upstairs and um, dinner needs to be made. And it's, it's hard to have the mental capacity to really put in the effort to dig into it. But the payoff is a lot more rewarding. Like, I think this film will be more memorable for us because we've wrestled with it and struggled through it and 
try to find what it's trying to say. And I think for me, those are the films that I tend to enjoy more. Those that have something to say and are like, okay, sit down, watch this thing. I got a lot to throw at you. Get ready. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is definitely one of them. Like, and, and that's what I've told people that I've um, talked about this film is that, you know, whether you love it or hate it, like take time afterwards to sit and think about it Mm because this film is worthy of that and will hold up to it, whether you liked it or not, it's worth watching um, so that you can sit and ponder and go, okay, how do I feel about this? Mm. Yeah. And I, th- I think this film is unique in that it's it, it, it does fall into that category, but the whole lot of it is not enjoyable, and that also makes oh, it challenging, yeah. too. Um, there aren't characters that we love. There isn't beautiful scenery to look at. There isn't um, amazing, sh- you know, moments to oogle at and, and emotions for us to connect to. So a lot of it's just not not a fun ride for most of it but it's an important one and that's mm-hmm. kind of tricky it's like how do you how do you market a film like that i mean props to the marketing team to figure out some sort of strategy um for a film like this because it's not a fun ride and it's very confusing yes that is most <laughs> definitely correct it's confusing is right it's straight up in your face. It is like chucking things at you by the end and you're like, make it stop. I need my shield. I'm just getting nope. hit at, beat up by nope. this film. It's saying, pay attention to me. I got things to say and you're a captive audience. Pay yep. attention. Yep. And by then you've already invested an hour and a half in. So you got to keep going. You just, you got to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. righty. Well, this was our review of Mother. There is still so much to unpack and analyze. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if we potentially do like a little bonus episode for when we've had more time to sit with it and more time to research of new thoughts that we have or new questions that we've raised in our own minds together. Um, but this this film can't be constrained to an hour of analyzing and and picking it apart but alas here we are we highly recommend seeing this there is so much for you to chew on um as sarah mentioned before take time for it as well allocate time to to really ruminate it and afterwards because there is a lot to um to unpack and with that we will see you back next week for another episode of the strategic whimsy experiment we hope you guys have an awesome week and we'll see you soon bye